The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming health tech. From AI to robotics and beyond, we're reinventing what's possible, and we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more. Hello, my friends, and welcome to our practice session. In our practice sessions, we invite our featured guests to show off their negotiation and conflict resolution skills in a realistic scenario. In this session, I want you to pay attention to what our guest does and not to what I do, because while they are trying to show off their skills and teach you, I am trying to frustrate their efforts in different ways through things like aggression, annoyance, emotionality, or awkwardness. And then after the practice session, we debrief and talk about what worked, what didn't work, and what you can use in your next difficult conversation. All right, everyone, this sparring session is a little bit different than what we usually do because this time it is not me versus Jen. It's Jen and I working on a team. And so I'm going to be in an organization and I'm trying to push forward a new program and I'm running into resistance. And Jen is going to coach me through how I can free myself from conflict in this situation. So Jen, you can start off the conversation how you would typically do with a client. Okay. Hi, Kwame. How are you? Hey, Jen, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. So tell me what's going on. Yeah, so I've been working in this organization for about uh, 10 years now, and I see a lot of opportunities for us to help the community through the creation of a health policy institute. So we do a lot of programs that are geared towards educating people, but I think that we can do more. And my vision for this Health Policy Institute would be a a training organization where we empower people within the community to serve as trainers for the information that we were sharing already. And my thought process is this would increase our capacity when it comes to our ultimate goal of spreading the message, um, some of the health issues and concerns that we have in the community. But the problem is that on the surface, people say, oh, that's a great idea. We should definitely do that. We should do that. And then when I push them to commit and, and move forward, and people aren't willing to really do what it takes to get it started. And I've been pushing this for the last eight months, 12 months, and still nothing meaningful has been, has occurred yet outside of my proposal. So I don't, I just don't know what to do at this point. So Kwame, why don't we start by mapping out this situation? Because I want to understand who's involved, what role you have in the organization, what role these other folks have in the organization that you've mentioned. So if you were to map out this situation, let's put as many people on this map as you can think of that might possibly be involved or impacted or are impacting the situation. So who would you put on your map? So I guess the first person I would put on the map is Dan. And so Dan is the director of the organization. He's been in that role for about 20 years or so. He's the first person I would put there. Okay. And you're going to put yourself on the map, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're obviously involved. And who are the team of people that you've talked about? What Um, roles do they have in the organization? So we have Dan, the director. We have Chelsea, who is the chief operating officer. She's the person who really makes sure that Everything is organized. She's great at at having meetings that are super effective. And I would put her on the map too, because when it comes to the the fundamental operations of the company, she's the one in, in charge there. Mm-hmm. Who else? 
The next person would be Catherine. Catherine is somebody who is on my team, and we essentially have the same functions. This program is my idea, but she, again, is, is an advocate, hasn't committed to anything, but she, she likes the idea. And what is her role in the organization or on your team? Her role is one of the program managers. Okay. And what's your role in the organization? I'm a program manager as well. I'm on the mm -hmm. uh, same level as her. We sometimes assist each other on programs, but we have, I guess, dis separate and distinct roles. But what I'm seeing more and more often is that we're on more projects together than we are apart. You and Catherine? Yep. Okay. All right. So you've put on your map the director, the COO, your program manager, and yourself. And the people that you were talking about before, about then they're not seeing it the same way that you are, and you are kind of pushing for this one way of doing things. I'm assuming those are the CEO and the director and the COO. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So, in the interest of time, so if I were to, if I were coaching you in a longer term, so Kwame, what do you notice about your map? Just the little minutes, couple minutes that we did so far. The map is, I guess, it's pretty localized localized in terms of the people within the organization. It's a small organization. It's only 10 total people, but uh, those are the people who are directly involved and would be directly impacted, I think, by mm -hmm. the, uh, the new program. Okay. And what do you notice about the relationships between the people on your map? Anything stand out to you? Professionally? Personally? Professionally. Um, There's something I notice about the relationships, so I'm happy to tell you what that is, but it seems Tell like me if there's anything you notice. Rank. It's the uh the leaders of the organization and and the, the other person who's on my team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the first thing that strikes me about your map is that you've been trying to influence people who are more senior than you in the organization and that that's been difficult for you. You also told me in our preparation for this conversation that your conflict habit is relentlessly collaborate so that you, when you're facing recurring conflict, you tend to try to collaborate with other people. That's how you've been trained. It's worked for you many, many times. And that's what you've been doing in this situation as well. And so, but that it's not being met by the director or by the COO in the way that you would like it to be. Is that all right? Definitely. Yeah. So I think these two things are important to notice, right? That you've been doing kind of hoping that be, by being collaborative, they will see it your way and agree with you, but they're not. And on top of that, they presumably have more sen seniority in this organization than you do. And that may feed into the fact that they, they're not agreeing with and not following you, maybe because in their minds, you know, what they say goes because they're more senior. I don't know. Do you want to say anything about the hierarchy in the organization and whether that's something people tend to care about or not. You know, that makes a lot of sense because it is pretty hierarchical within the organization. Uh, Dan is a former police officer, so rank is something that's important to him. Mm -hmm. And he runs the organization in that way. And I think it leads to order, which is beneficial, but it makes it difficult to be creative within it. But the thing is, I, I went through the Harvard program on, on negotiation. I, I listen to this podcast, Negotiate Anything, all the time. And it's like 
everything that I keep hearing talks about the need to be proactive and collaborative and have these conversations. And I'm doing that, but it's not working and it's really frustrating. Yes. Right. And I think the one of the seems to me that one of the main reasons why it's not working is because you're doing the same thing in maybe in different, slightly different ways, but more or less doing the same thing, trying to be collaborative over and over again and not getting the results you're looking for. And so then you just do it again. And so even though we you have been taught that collaborative win-win efforts are going to get you what you want. When you see that those efforts are not getting you what you want, my advice is to take a step back, notice the pattern that you're in. So in this case, it sounds like, well, of these four conflict habits, so we've got relentlessly collaborate, blame others, blame yourself, or shut down, which basically means people are avoiding you. Sounds to me like of those four, this, the director and COO might be more in the shutdown habit. Is that true? Or were they kind of blaming you? Yeah, it seems else? It's, it's definitely more shutdown. Yeah. So you would present option after option and they would just kind of weasel out of that conversation or <laughs> not be willing to have that conversation with you? Exactly. They never actually said no, but they never actually said yes and you weren't getting anywhere. Yeah. So that's a, a very common pattern that we get stuck in conflict in is when we relentlessly collaborate, one person relentlessly collaborates and the other person or people shut down and avoid. And that's because, you know, just for the same reasons that you have your conflict habit out of training, out of perhaps personality, they have theirs as well. Maybe they grew up learning that the way to deal with conflict was to avoid it so that they didn't have to get into a fight with someone. And they're doing that habitually as well. And it's not allowing anyone here to move forward. So just noticing what the pattern is can help us ask ourselves, well, what could I do? What could I do to break out of this conflict pattern to do some, what could I do that would be different? Because we don't know if they can change, but we do know that you have the power to do something different and to change. So before I ask you what else you think you could do, there's another point I want to make here as well, which is it has to do with this concept of shadow values. And that is, you, you mentioned that the director was a former police officer and that order is something that is a positive outcome of the fact that he may care about hierarchy. I haven't asked you, you know, to what degree you think he's aware or proud of the fact that there is hierarchy in this organization. My experience in many with small organizations is that often that hierarchy does exist and yet people are not necessarily always so happy to admit that it exists because they want to have a more collaborative environment. What's your sense of, of Dan, I think you said is his name? Mm -hmm. Dan and, and how he might value or not hierarchy. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to connect. Our workshops are completely customized to reflect the specific and individual concerns faced by you and your team. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Click the link in the description to learn more. And now, let's get back to the episode. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days. 
all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Yeah, I, I think it's something that he's aware of and he's proud of. Okay. He, he likes to talk about how he uh, rose through the ranks and how that was important and how, how important respect of rank is in an organization. He's always a, he's a great listener. He's, he's like an expert in listening. But when it comes to decision making, he's very authoritative in that position. And he's more likely, he's not likely to defer to other people. But the thing is, I noticed that when Chelsea has one of her really efficient and organized meetings, he listens to her more and takes her advice more than he would anybody else. And she's his second in command? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? For somebody who is has an ideal value of hierarchy and order, that he's listening to his second in command and taking her advice more than he might be to people that he perceives to be more junior. So we can see that if we swapped out Kwame on this map for anyone else that would have been filling your role, that person, just by virtue of the fact that Dan orients to the world in ideal, you know, having an ideal value of hierarchy or order, it may be that there's not that much in that role can do to convince him unless we think about, well, what role could Chelsea play? You know, maybe something to do here would be to see, could you influence or have a conversation with Chelsea where she could then bring the idea to Dan? right? We just want to kind of open up other possibilities because you going straight to Dan hasn't been working. And now we can see that, you know, it may be that the way he orients to hierarchy is such that, you know, no matter what you would say, he, he would devalue it. Makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I just, it, it, this seems helpful, but one of the things that I'm afraid of is that Again, like I said, I'm I'm relentlessly collaborative. I want to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. But it seems like almost a little bit you're suggesting I shouldn't try anymore. Is is that what you're saying or just change change the change mm -hmm. my approach? I think there's lots of different things you could do. So one is you could keep trying but not try in the same way you've been trying because that doesn't seem to be getting you your desired outcome. So a different way, you know, one right off the top of my head is, well, what if you tried to influence Chelsea instead by herself, right? Might it make a difference if you were having a one-on-one? -on -one? Like, what if you said to Chelsea, hey, could, could I take you out? Like, could we go out for coffee? I want to talk to you about this idea that I have. That might be different than making a formal presentation to Chelsea and to Dan in the office at the same time. Or you're very right. I mean, you when you make this analysis of this situation, you may realize, hey, this is not the right organization for me because I have am someone who really likes to move things forward. I'm very entrepreneurial. And this is an organization where the founder, the head of it, or I don't know if he's the founder, but the head of the organization is someone who really values hierarchy. And maybe that's not the right fit for me. So no matter what I do, I'm going to be banging my head up against the wall trying to influence somebody who's basically not influenceable by someone in my position. So I'd either have to wait years, you know, hope and pray that I would go up the ladder and become 
you know, equip more senior in this organization, or I might have to admit that this is not exactly the right fit for me. That makes sense. That makes and, a lot of sense. Yeah. So the thing that I would want you to do then is to, and, I, and this also comes out of this optimal outcomes method framework, is to ask yourself, what are the costs that I'm paying by staying stuck in this conflict? What costs might I pay for pursuing an optimal outcome, which might be in this case, just to take it as a quick example, an idea that you might, let's say, ask Chelsea out for coffee and see if you could you know, route your ideas that way. Or maybe there's someone else on the senior team that you could do that with as well. So what costs would you pay for doing that? Maybe she would tell him and then it would blow up and that might not work out or whatever, or it would be difficult for you to do that and that's hard. And so that's a cost you'd pay just to build those courage muscles. And then also what costs might you pay if you walked away and you said, you know what, this organization is not the greatest fit for me. I'm going to walk away. Well, there are transaction costs of having to leave a new job, leave a job and find a new job and spend all your energy focused on that. There may be other costs that you'd pay for walking away. And then your job is to compare the costs. And also, I would want you to also list out what are the benefits of each of these three ways. Compare the costs and benefits of each of these three paths, either walking away, staying stuck in conflict, or pursuing an ideal future, potential optimal outcome, and ask yourself, how am I going to pay? Which one of these paths will create the fewest costs, the most benefits, and require me to take pattern-breaking action? Right. So if you typically, if this is now like the seventh job you've had in the last two years, because <laughs> what you do is that, you know, you typically walk away when things don't go your way, then walking away is not pattern breaking action. Right? Mm. So we want to know what's the path that's going to require you to take pattern breaking action, something different, do something different than you've done before. Probably staying in conflict is not going to not typically asking you to take pattern-breaking action to stay in conflict. Perfect. This is great. I really liked this process because really in, in this situation, what it came down to was very simple. What you're doing right now isn't working. Do something different. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I often refer to my high school basketball coach. He would, <laughs> he would call a timeout and then just yell at us. See, you're trying to do it your way. How's that working for you? (laughs) (laughs) It's not working, coach. Right, right. That's great. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it. This is is fantastic. And I think in, in the process, you did a great job of explaining what it is that we're doing. So I know this analysis portion of the sparring session is uh isn't isn't as necessary as it is for some of the other ones, but Mm -hmm. in what else should we know before we go when we're trying to analyze this for ourselves when we're trying to use this conflict mapping methodology before we continue to try to find uh, an optimal outcome i think the most important thing to keep in mind is that each of these practices mapping the conflict identifying your ideal and shadow values and the ideal and shadow values of the other people involved and what are the emotions involved and the last piece that we did there, which was chapter eight of the book, which is choose an optimal outcome, which is, you know, really now putting on your rational thinking brain and asking yourself, which path should I take? That these practices, I hope what people saw us do over the last few minutes was use these practices in tandem with one another. And so that they all go together, right? We started off by mapping, 
then we moved into a, little, a short conversation about the ideal values of Dan, the director. And then we ended with, how do you choose what your optimal outcome is going to be? Is it a potential ideal future? Is it walking away? Is it staying stuck in conflict? And so that these practices go together, using one of them by themselves, like if we just mapped, that might have given you some ideas. Or if we just talked about Dan's ideal values, that might have given you some ideas, but doing them together really adds to their potency. Right. Fantastic. Great. And again, before you go, let the listeners know about the book and how they can get it. The book is called Optimal Outcomes, Free Yourself from Conflict at Work, at Home, and in Life. And you can find it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, IndieBound, anywhere, Barnes & Noble. And if you go on OptimalOutcomesBook.com, you'll find tons and tons of resources, free resources that can help you do conflict mapping, that can help you walk you through step by step by step how to look at ideal values and shadow values, your own and other people's. There's a ton of templates to fill out. You could have a, a lot of fun with these. So I hope you'll enjoy. Go find the resources you need. Fantastic. Jen, thank you again for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kwame, for having me. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.